today we want to, I want to preach on something that's been kind of on my heart. Um, we've had this conference. I don't know if you guys, many of you guys have joined. Um, I was able to catch a few of the sessions, um, from the other day. And, um, you know, we've, I feel like, uh, with all the things that's happening, it's a topic that we should uh, cover again as a body and as a community for us to come together. And it's on prayer. Um, uh, and a lot's been happening. You know, we have COVID situation that continues to, um, you know, uh, frustrate us. Uh, we, I've heard that, uh, it, it, you know, from, you know, uh, Fauci and the CDC that it's not gonna, it's not going away anytime soon, uh, for us to, you know, find ways to cope with COVID being a part of our lives. And, you know, I really miss those days when we could go outside without having a mask on, you know, like, and just, you know, we, we were all these cases, you know, this past week, um, Mike and Hannah, um, they had a scare with one of their uh, students' mom testing positive, and um, we're kind of living in this fear and living in this anxiety, anxious kind of season of COVID, and um, and and also with happening, what's happening around the world, especially in Afghanistan, um, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be political in any ways, and you know, that's um, not what I want to be, but with America leaving and the Taliban taking over the country so so quickly, um, and now there's like this full panic that has kind of set in uh, about what life will be like for people, especially Christians uh, that are living in Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, we're, we're faced with the question of what, what can we do? You know, like, how can, how can we help? Uh, like, for, you know, first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, let's, uh, you know, like, you know, get to the Red Cross and see what they can do. But I don't know if, you know, any of these humanitarian organizations um, can go into the country. Right now it's, it's under, a hostile um, control, um, and as a church, we're asked, we're, we're left with this question of like, what can we do? How, um, you know, what what can be our response as the body of Christ? And uh, that's the topic that I want to talk about today. And the first thing that we should be directed to in our faith in situations like this is prayer, um, and and not just uh, individual prayer, but uh, prayer as a congregation, prayer as a community, coming together of hearts. Uh, and so, you know, Isaiah 56, verse 7, it says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Um, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. Uh, and then we have Jesus kind of uh, quoting this scripture from Isaiah. Um, and when he talks about himself and he says, It is written, My, my house shall be a house called the house of prayer. Uh, but you make it a den of robbers from Matthew 21. And so one of the main pivotal roles of the church is for us to pray. Um, and he says that the markings of his house, his community, his body, his bride is one that prays, um, is a house that prays. And and today's passage, I'm going to be going out of Acts chapter 12. Um, the Acts records the Acts of the Apostles, right? The, the disciples that followed around Jesus everywhere he went for three years, and then they and he he gets crucified and he rises from the dead, he goes up to heaven, and now these disciples are are become apostles and they become um just these the the foundation and the uh, and the um the the pillars of the church that is raised up in Jerusalem and that goes out into the nation. And when you look at the lives of the apostles and the way that they they, they did everything is that. First, they were led by the Holy Spirit in all everything that they did, but that leading of the Spirit was also always accompanied by 
uh, by prayer. You know, in everything that they do, they prayed. You know, and if you read the read Acts, you're gonna see so many moments where, in every situation, um, the apostles, you know, whatever struggle that they faced, whatever obstacles or opportunities that they had, um, they were led into prayer. Um, and we say see that in this passage. As we're gonna, I'm gonna read from Acts 12, um, starting from verse one. So if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can turn to Acts 12, verse 1. And it says, um, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on the on the very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the doors were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he said so. And he, and he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angels. By the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of his own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angels and rescued him from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. So that's from uh, Acts verse chapter 12. And we see in, in the book of Acts that you know persecution had broken out against the church. Um, Herod uh, had, you know, Herod, uh, we hear a lot about Herod throughout the Bible, but Herod isn't just one person, or it's not a first name. It's actually uh, the family name of uh, a lineage of family that was put in charge over um, the area of Judea. And so these are, it's like a royal lineage, in a sense, of kings that controlled Ju Judea at that time. And so um, this time, this Herod, um, I believe it was Herod Agrippa, uh, he, he puts James... Uh, the brother of John uh, to the death, right? And he, he kills him with the sword. Um, and he realizes that this gets the Jews all excited uh, and excited in a happy way. He goes and has Apostle Peter arrested so that after Passover, he can bring him out and basically kill him too. And, and, and they're going to be happy, you know, like he was basically, he wanted to keep the Jewish people happy and appeased, appeased because he's not a Jew himself, but he just controls this Judea area who are filled with Jews um, for Caesar, um, that's in, um, in Rome. And so, uh, you know, he want, he doesn't want any kind of uprising. He doesn't want, um, any kind of, you know, problems. He wants them to pay their taxes. Uh, he wants the rule, his rule over Judea to be, you know, peaceful and, 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 and calm. And so, uh, he thinks that killing Peter, putting him in prison and bringing him out and executing Peter is going to keep this area calm for him. And so, um, and so Peter's in prison, right? He's in prison and he knows what's about to happen to him. He knows what just happened to James, you know, James, uh, John's brother, James, and 
um, they all not they all know that um, you know that what kind of fate is waiting for Peter? He's in shackles. He's surrounded by guards. You know, there's squads of soldiers. You know, anywhere from 12 to 16 soldiers that are guarding Peter in this prison. And most likely, you know, if you know if if, if things turn out the way that you know they think they it seems is going to turn out, um, Peter is going to be executed just like James. Um, but there's a but there, right? There's a big but. You know, and it says that but. Um, the church was praying for Peter, you know, and, and the word but, uh, it's, it's a word that can change anything in any situation. It's a conjunction that, that by definition, it introduces like a new thing that's, that's contrasting that will, um, contrasting what, like whatever happened before. So whatever happened before, James was killed by the sword, right? But, you know, the church was praying for Peter. Peter's most, most likely dead. But, you know, he's introducing something new. Peter was prayed for by the church. Um, and when we read the Bible, words like but or however are very important, especially when it comes uh, followed by God, right? Um, but God. You know, but, and this is another situation. Here in Acts 12 is another situation of a but God. And so many times we read this, this shift in the Bible where there's a but, um, and then God does something that no one is expecting to happen. You know, just a few examples, and there's so many of these in the Bible, but um, Genesis 7:24, and the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days, um, but God remembered Noah. Uh, you know, Genesis 50:20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Um, you know, Deuteronomy 7:7, 7, 7, uh, the Lord did not love you did not love you and choose you because you outnumbered other people. You were the smallest nation on earth, but the Lord loved you and wanted to keep you, keep the promises that he made to your ancestors. Um, you know, uh, the day after day, Saul searched for him, talking about David, but God did not give David into his hand. You know, Psalm 73, this is David. He's crying out, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. Um, you know, there's so many of these situations in the Bible. Uh, you know, and Jesus says, when man, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So there are all these but gods, uh, throughout the Bible, throughout, um, you know, when, when God is, when God and the presence of God is in any kind of situation, there is always the potential for a but God, you know, um, and we should all be, uh, hoping for and contending for and praying for these but God situations in our lives. Who, who, which of you guys do, doesn't want a but God? You know, like this is this is this is what uh, what we are crying out for. This is what we are longing for as the church. Is we want um, you know situations where God says, "But I will do something." But you know, God broke in. You know, but His Spirit broke in. Um, we have to know that our circumstances do not get the last word, but God gets the last word. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what's against us. It doesn't matter what our circumstances look like. It doesn't matter you know, what the doctor says. It doesn't matter how rocky your, your relationships are. It doesn't matter what kind of predicament that you find yourself. You know, we can, we can always go to God and seek from Him a but God. You know, but God broke in. Now, let me tell you, like the church in Acts 12, 
uh, if you want to inject a but God into the situation that you that you have, we have to pray. It, it comes with prayer, right? God wants to move for us. God wants to break in, right? But what He wants more is a connection of our hearts with Him, where we are interceding and we're crying out to Him in prayer. You know, prayer is where we tap into the supernatural power of God. Prayer is where we're able to, you know, like stand on our faith and 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 contend and and ask God, seek God uh, for His kingdom to come. Come uh, in Mark chapter nine. There's this man. He brings his son to Jesus, you know, and the disciples, you know, he, because he has a demon in him um, that made him mute since birth, and the disciples can't do it. Right? He's like they they try praying for him. They try doing all these things. And they, they try to, you know, cast out the demon, first of all, and nothing's happening. And so he takes him to Jesus and asks Jesus, uh, you know, can you do something about my, this, this, this boy? Um, you know, and it says, but, and the Bible says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Uh, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And this is a line that has always kind of confused me. Um, I believe would help my unbelief. But who's, who's actually felt this way in their lives? Um, you know, I believe God would help my unbelief. Right? And it's another example of how Jesus sees our faith, right? You know, he's not always about us having the big faith, like big faith and content, you know, because he says even if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Um, because it has less to do with the size of our faith and everything to do with who our faith is in. So the, the, the father is like, I believe. Right? Help my unbelief. And it's like, no, I have faith, but it seems so small. Right? Please help me in my faith. And, and I want to ask you guys out there, um, how many of you guys have had a heart like this? How many of you guys have felt like this in situation? Like, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so Jesus, he heals the boy. And the disciples come to a, come up to Jesus in private. And they ask him, uh, you know, why couldn't we do what you did? Right? Why couldn't we drive um, this demon out of this boy? And Jesus says this, and he says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And other versions add fasting so without prayer and fasting. But the word fasting isn't in the Greek manuscript. It's actually only in the King James, uh, which is, Translated from um, the Septuagint, most likely like was added somewhere you know, in Latin uh, later on. But um, I believe that the heart of it is there. He's he's saying like certain things will not happen without like real prayer and fasting, right? And he's speaking about our maturity in Christ, right? Um, we can stay at a certain level with Jesus. And 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 remain on the superficial level, or we can actually go deep into our relationship with Jesus and really, you know, go down to that depth where we're crying out for the things that are on his heart. And Paul talks about it in Corinthians. He says, I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. Right? And and we can stay drinking milk, right? Um, but there has, but, you know, there's going to be a time when we go deeper with God and we we yearn, we yearn for the deeper things of God. And, 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 you know, growing up in the church and, and being a pastor for almost 10 years now, uh, I have seen people, um, that remain in that superficial level, that in that drinking 
milk stage for years, right? But then I, I seen people that have this, this innate hunger that's within them and they, they want to go deeper. They want to go deeper. Um, and I see that in our community now that, um, there is a hunger that we, you know, we want to see what is deeper. And when we really have a desire to go deeper with God, we are never disappointed. And, and here's the thing. You can enjoy God's love. You can enjoy his goodness. You can enjoy like grace and mercy. But if you want to know God's will, Jesus says to pray, right? Um, you know, and he taught them to pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm not saying that grace is superficial and mercy is superficial. No, that those, those are the amazing things of God. And that's, that needs to be rooted in our hearts for us to truly understand who we are in Christ Jesus. But, but there's, there's, when we truly understand grace and when we truly understand mercy, right? God calls us into this deeper place, um, where, where, you know, the, the depths of his heart. And, and if you want to see heaven on earth, if you want to see God's kingdom here on earth, and you want to be a part of his divine plan, not just for you, but for his kingdom, uh, we have to go deep in prayer with God. We have to go to a deeper level of our prayer life. Um, you have your circumstances, you have your obstacles and your oppositions, but if you want to see uh, a but God break out in your life, you have to go into this area of Prayer with the Lord, intercession. Um, this is important because prayer is not about um, us changing God's mind. Right? That's like the, imma the immature way of thinking about prayer and God. It's like, oh, I can pray really hard and try to change God's mind, right? And 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 as we pray, you know, and as we are in communication with Him, and we learn and understand, and we walk out God's will for our lives, you know, is we realize that it's not about us changing God's mind, but it's about God through prayer changing our hearts and our minds. It's about when we pray, He renews our minds and He renews our hearts. Right? And so now it's not about us asking God, like, hey, God, can you do this? Try to move His hand, try to get Him to do something, but we're asking Him, God, what's on your heart? Because right? what is most important is what's on your heart. What is most important is, you know, what, what, what you yearn for and what you long for on this earth for us to to do with you in this in this earth you know and 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 this is the difference between petition and intercession when we first come to christ when we were young you know our prayers were generally petition we would petition you know god for certain things philippians 4 6 but in everything by prayer and supplication that's petitioning to god with thanksgiving let your request be known to god and and james as i like you do not have because you do not ask. However, he qualifies this by saying, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And and you have to understand that petition is not bad. Asking the Lord to move and asking your asking God to do certain things is not a bad thing, right? We we seek God. We seek God and we seek Him to to you know be a blessing to us. A lot of times petition is very one sided. And when I was young, you know, every night I prayed for the same thing, protect my mom, protect my dad, protect my sister, protect my relatives and friends. And, and you know, I had the script before God, and I would lay it out before him, like, please do this for me. And as I was asking these things, like, God answered my prayers, right? Like, my parents and my sister, everybody was good, you know? Um, and 
you know, and I was asking for good things. I wasn't asking for bad things. And, and, and we're supposed to petition God in this way. We have, uh, we want to see certain things in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with petitioning God. But there's, there's a time where our prayer lives can mature, you know, and, and go deeper where it's no longer just like, you know, talking to God about what we want, but we start to, to seek the Lord, uh, in, in dialogue with Him. We talk to Him. We, we interact with him. We we seek to listen to what he has to say, you know, and we go into this place where, you know, like you're just, you know, at, at the beach or you know somewhere, and then you know you hear God's voice and you you hear him talking to you, and then you talk back to him. You're like, oh God, you know, thank you this and thank you that, and God, you know, and, and this is relationship, this relational dialogue that you can have with God, and that's taking prayer uh, into a deeper level. But there's still yet a deeper level of prayer uh, that God wants us to go to, and that's intercession, right? Intercession is even more personal. This is where we not only tap into the love and the grace that we that we experience with God, but this is where we tap into the will of God. Um, this is where we we feel and manifest the burden to pray. This is where, this is that level of maturity that Paul talks about, you know. This is breaking out of drinking milk, but going deeper and, and experiencing like, you know, the, the, the meals that we can have with, with God. This is sacrificial prayer, right? This is where, you know, we go down to the depths where God, He allows us to experience His heart, where deep calls unto deep, as the Bible says. This is where God allows us to understand not only what He loves, but you know, what breaks his heart? Like, what are the things that break God's heart? What are the things that, that, that God hates, right? This is the depths of, um, of, of God. And, and this is where the, this is where true intercession is birthed. You know, true intercessors hear from God, um, sense the burden to pray and continue in prayer until the burden leaves, right? Um, you know, and some people are called to be intercessors. Mina, my wife, Mina is a, I believe she is definitely called to be an intercessor. She's called to be um, an intercessor, not just for our church, but, you know, for the world. Because her prayers are very, like, laser-focused. They're very specific. You know, she has a very prophetic lifestyle. You know, she's very prophetic in, in, in the way that she, uh, you, know, you know, hears from the Lord. And, and, and sometimes the prayers that she prays are so specific. It, sometimes it gives me chills. Right? Like, she'll, she'll freak me out. She'll, like, say... Oh, like, I felt like God was told me to pray like this very specifically. And in my mind, I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then, like, that exact thing would happen. And then, like, I get freaked out. Right? It's like, it's a, it's, it's a very, like, it's like a, a, like a, you know, in the Olympics. And we saw how Korea was so good at archery, right? It's like she, she prays her prayer like one of those Korean archers, right? You know, like, you know, they, she, like, she knows the target. And then, you know, she just lets it go and it just it hits its target. And so, you know, there are certain people that are called to be intercessors, you know, specific intercessors. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you may not be called to be an intercessor, but it doesn't mean that you're you're not called to intercede. Right? You know, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He didn't teach us to pray, you know, like, you know, just just ask him for what he what you want. Yeah, that's in there. Give us our day, our daily bread. Right. You don't have to worry about it. You just ask, right? But then there is this level where there's a depth to our prayer life where he says, you know, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? And this is where God's 
wants to take us deeper in our prayer life. This is the level of prayer where we tap into God's will, right? It's not focused on us. It's not focused on what we want. It's what we, or what we can get, but it's primarily focused to see God's will be done on this earth. And, and not everyone is called to be an intercessor, but all of us were called to intercede. I mean, just like not all people are given the gift of prophecy, but, you know, we're all, we all can prophesy. You know, but, you know, we're, we're all called to hear God's voice. Not everybody may be an intercessor, but we all have the ability to go deep in prayer with God and intercede on behalf of, of people and the nation and the church. And Jesus says that his church, his bride, his house will be a house of prayer, will be a house of, of intercessors, will be a house of people that cry out to God. And, and we see this here in Acts 12. We see that, you know, Peter is sitting, uh, in, in prison. He's locked up. His, you know, most likely, you know, Herod, Herod is going to take him out and execute him before the Jews. And that'll be that. But what does it say? But the church prayed. Now, and, and it, there's that but, right? But the church prayed. And then there's another but God, right? And this amazing thing happens. There's power in prayer where despite the circumstances, despite what they see in the natural, they pray for God's will to be done. You know, I gave you this example of my life in the past of my mom and her prayer group back in America when I was like messing up in life. I was like, you know, I was going down this hill and my mom saw it and my mom tried to confront me. But, you know, like she's Korean-American doesn't speak English very well and she really doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know the resources that she has and so all she could do was pray and so she took this to church and she would she would got these people to pray for me. And you know, like all as through as, as I was going through all the crazy things of, you know, like getting deported and, and getting going to prison and all this stuff in my life, you know, my my mom and, and her you know, her intercessor friends, they would continue to pray for me. Right? And they didn't know you know, like exactly what to pray for. They just prayed for God's will to be done. You know, like, Lord, please pray that, you know, like my, my name is Jinwon, right? And Korean is like Jinwon's life, that your will be done on, on, in his life. And, you know, and as I came to America, my life radically changed and, 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 you know, I, you know, got married and, you know, became a pastor, but, you know, like this is a testimony that these women that I have never seen, I've never met these women. <laughs> I only know a person I know is my mom. But but they contact me all the time. They like will come to Korea and they'll call me and like and say, "Oh, like let me I want to send you some money because, you know, like I I, I, I your your life is like this testimony that we have where we we prayed and and you we saw like through what your mom tells us this transformation of God um you know inter, interceding into your life, you know, breaking into your life. And transforming you and changing you, you know. And if you think about that, you know that I am a testimony of a church that prays, right? A church that intercedes, right? And 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 when I think about it, and and these these old women, I, I see the power of a community that comes together and seeks God, and and prays and intercedes on behalf of the people, you know. And, and when you read the rest of Acts 12, God sends an angel to break, you know, Peter out of prison. And he shows up at the gates and um where the church where the members of the church are gathered and they're praying and this girl you know he appears before Peter he she hears 
his voice on the other side of the gate. And then she's like, oh, like, oh, it's Peter. And so she goes back and she's like, hey, Peter's at the gate. You know, Peter's at the gate. And, and they're like, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? Right? No. You know, and, and they don't believe her. And I, and I talked about it earlier, but the father of the boy said, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and I believe that sometimes, you know, like we don't feel the faith to pray. I'm, I'm sure there were times in my mom's life where she didn't feel the faith to pray. Like when my mom, when my life was just like literally like going downhill and I was just like the lowest point in my life. I'm sure my mom still had a hard time and, and having faith to to pray, we get this illusion, we get numb, we, we don't have the faith to pray sometimes. And, and you know, and you know, to that situation, I say, pray anyways. Right? As Jesus says, even if you have the faith size of a mustard seed, he said that not to show us how big our, our faith is, has to be before God. Like, hey, like only when you have this amazing faith before me will I do anything. No, he's like, even if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you know, like mustard seeds are tiny. It was probably the smallest seed they knew of back then, right? That they can kind of wrap their minds around. It's the tiniest of seeds. And he says you can move mountains. And sometimes we have to, to, to know that, you know, like we go to God and say, God, like, you know, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Like, God, I have faith, but it's so small. Can you, can you help me? And, and, and it, it's knowing that it's not, you know, the size of our faith. It's not how great our faith is, but it's about who our faith is in. And it's about the relationship that we have with the one that that is able to do all things. That is that nothing is impossible for him. And so, you know, there are times like this. And when I, you know, the apostles are gathered, they're praying for Peter and Peter comes to the gate and, and, and you know, they, they hear from the servant girl and they're like, are you out of your mind, right? And, and I'll bet you as they were praying, they, you know, their prayers were not, they may not have had the unction that they wanted, right? But it says that even if you have, you know, the seed size, seed, the size of a mustard seed, right? Like faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Um, that when you pray and you, when you seek the Lord, right? God can move. God can break in. There can be a but God in your life. Because it's not about the size of our faith. It's not about you know, how great our faith is, but it's our, who our faith is in. Right? And church, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some of you see, feel this such, like the situation in Afghanistan. You guys see, you know, the, the COVID situation out there and you guys are, you guys feel drained. You guys feel like, you know, like, hey, how can I, how can I have faith for this? You know, how can I have faith to intercede? Right? How can I have a, a, a faith to, to, to cry out in this situation? You know, I, like, like, I feel like my faith is the size of a mustard seed. And I say to that, pray. Intercede. God knows our weaknesses. You know, you know I'm going to preach on Hebrews next and it talks, it's talk, it talks about uh, Jesus who is able to, to empathize with our, with our temptation. He's able to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses, right? Um, but he's, still chooses to use us. He still chooses us in our weaknesses, however small our faith is, to be able to, to do His will upon this earth. Even the faith, the size of a mustard seed, can be powerful as long as it is in the right thing, it's in Him. Um, 
Church, let us be a church that Jesus is able to come back and says, this is my house because this is a house that prayer that prays. And, and right now, even if we may not have, you know, that, that function, we may not have that, you know, that drive. I want us to, 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 you know, get, get to that place where we pray, you know, despite how we feel in, in the spirit. Because it's not about, it's not about us. It's not about connecting to our power to make things happen upon this earth, right? Our faith can move mountains. No, it's about the one that is able to move the mountains. It's about the one that can do all things. It's our faith needs to be in him. And if it's in him, no matter how small our faith may be in being able to pray, God will be able to break in. He knows our weaknesses. And I want to let you guys know, individual prayer is very important. Individual prayer is very important. We should all be praying individual. We should all be fostering a prayer life in our closet. You know, develop it. But there's something very important and something very special about corporate prayer. When two or more are gathered in His name. When, when, when the church comes together and we pray together and we cry out together. And we have, you know, we bear each other's burdens and we come into this place where we seek his face and we seek his countenance and we seek to, to, to go to the depths of his heart and to really feel and experience the depth of his heart, to, to know what he is feeling and, and how he is feeling and how he wants and the way that he wants to birth um, his will upon this earth. And so, you know, and, and as we are gathered and as, as a body of Christ and we are crying out, okay, um, not things that are on our hearts, but the things that are on, God's heart, um, and we seek His will, and we seek His kingdom. That's how we come together as a body of Christ, and that's how we become a house of prayer. That Jesus will come and 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 say, "This is my house. This is my house. This is this is why I died on the cross. This is why, you know, this is my bride. This is the bride that I want uh, to to be with, right? Um, and it's it's one that is marked by a by prayer." and intercession and crying out for the nations, crying out uh, from the depths of our hearts. Even when we can't feel it, right, we, we cry out because it's about who our faith is in. 